Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that in you we can be made beautiful. That whatever life had come before, there is still beauty to be found in your redemption and in your grace. That we can all be beautiful things, made beautiful in you and remade beautiful in you again. So loving God, we come to you this morning and hand over to you the pieces of our lives and the pieces of our world that are not yet as beautiful as they should be. We lift up all of those who are sick and suffering. We lift up all of those who are suffering from mental illness or spiritual distress. We lift up the ongoing coronavirus pandemic that it may be finally fully driven out. We lift up Elizabeth Attaway's uh, mother, um, whose chemo is working on her liver tumors, but hasn't affected the young lung tumors yet. And so God, we pray that the chemo may reach all of the tumors, uh, that she may be fully healed. Um, and we lift up Mike Brooks, um, who has nodules in his lungs um, that are being checked for cancer. And so, God, we pray that it may not be cancer, but, God, we pray that doctors and nurses can find out exactly what is going on. And, God, we lift up our dear brother Ivan Hutchinson, um, and we pray uh, that he may know your healing, that, is he that your healing hand may come upon him, and that whatever is going on in him may be made right and may be made whole. But, loving God, move in all of us that we all may be made right, that we all may be made whole, that we all may know the redemption, the second chance, the next chance that we have in you, and that we may have the, may have the boldness to proclaim it to the world. Loving God, make us the instruments of your peace, sharing what you have done in our lives with a world in desperate need of it. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen.
Technology. Hey guys, do you have a moment to talk about our Lord and Savior? So I want to talk a little bit of UM Army by the numbers. So we, as Grace Church, the people, the second chance, took 19 uh, people to UM Army uh, between youth um, and our adult contingent. Uh, together with four other churches, we completed 14 worksites um, in five days. And these worksites were no joke, right? This wasn't clean a little bit of lawn work. Uh, this was at least four wheelchair ramps, uh, two, total two total church restorations, um, as well as other major home repair. The average temperature was something like 95 degrees. The average humidity was above 80 because it's South Texas. And we suffered eight, ra eight rain delays. How, what's the final number on rain delays? Eight rain delays, because it also rains every day down there. And yet, in spite of all of those challenges, in spite of all of that, our youth kept plucking, kept working, and fundamentally made a huge difference in the community of West Columbia. Now, uh, we are not the only church who watched that video this morning. All five of the churches uh, watched that video. I made it for all the churches to be able to show in their worship services, just as I am doing. And I work really hard as I make those videos late into the night uh, to make sure that all of the different churches are represented. And it's not just the pictures of the kids I like. But as it turns out, I couldn't help it. Because the Grace Church youth weren't just there and doing the work, which is remarkable for anyone. They were often the leaders on the work sites doing the most work. Ron's not even said, right? Doing the most work, being the most active, whether it was our middle school students, folks like a David or a Johnny, right? Jumped right in there. Or our older kids, you know, like your Alexis's and your Maddie's, like folks 
They were out there doing the work, leading the work site. Uh, ours were not the kids you had to chase to get the job done. Every single one stepped up and did something absolutely amazing. And I hope that video tells the story. My voice tells the story of how many worship services we did. Um, but they did. It was a phenomenal week. Difficult week, of course. Hot week, of course. Weirdly wet week, of course. But our youth rose to the occasion and did something absolutely phenomenal. Uh, yeah. At this point, I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward to receive the offering. Now that you have seen at least a glimpse of what your offering does in the world. So yes, the money that we lay in the buckets or that we give online certainly goes to the ministries of this church in Palestine, Texas, and we do a ton around here, but it also allows young people to go out into missions, make a difference in their own lives, seeing how God can use them, and making a difference um, in the community of West Columbia. That is why this is a part of our worship, because it lets us go beyond our Sunday morning experience that we can come together and do amazing things. So yes, 13 of us went on West Columbia, but that video tells the story of what all of us did together. Um, and so I invite us as ever to give generously that we may do ministry and transform the world with abundance by the power of God's love working within us. Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks for the many blessings you have poured out on us. Help us to be cheerful givers to return a portion of that back unto you for the building of your kingdom. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all works in your hands. You have a plan for our lives. A purpose. You promise you won't leave us. And when we face the tests and trials, you are there. I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. scripture reading this morning comes from the 18th chapter of the prophet Jeremiah, verses 1 through 6. The 
word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, excuse me, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Come, go, excuse me, go down to the potter's house, and there I will let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. The vessels he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands, and he reworked it into another vessel as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter has done, says the Lord? Just like the clay in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. This is God's good word for us, God's beloved people. Thanks be to God. Amen. So, I give you now, as I've been on a work site, I've been, I've been at UM Army surrounded by work sites all week. I give you the parable of the work site, a story about a, the restoration of a church. One of the sites that we had while we were at UM Army uh, was restoring a church, um, a church that had been there for a very long time, had fallen into some disrepair. And when we got to UM Army, we, we pre-site the things, and it came back that this was a two-day job. That what needed work was mostly, you can see, kind of in starting condition, it needs a new coat of paint. And there were some rotten boards on the outside that would need to be replaced and then painted. This is Ron's, Ron's on this site. Um, that needed to be painted over and, you know, replaced and painted over. Uh, out of there, two days, uh, we've got a couple more sites for y'all to hit um, for before this week is over. Um, at 1.30 p.m. on day five... Uh, the final work day, I arrived on that work site uh, to take over the wood shop so that we could start pumping out all of the boards that we needed to put up. And that job didn't finish until 30 minutes after we were supposed to quit for the week. Now, this is not a story about lazy youth. No, no, no. These youth plugged away at that site every single day with great diligence. No, uh, it turns out as they took one board off, another board would crumble to dust right next to it. And as they pulled off that board that had become dust, another board would crumble to dust next to it, to the point where they were just pulling board and board and board and board and pulled off most of the far side of that site. Um, that's, that, that's when I arrived. That's sometime after I arrived on day five. And then, not just were the boards on the outside rotten, the studs going up and down uh, that you had to mount to were also largely rotten. You might have noticed a moment in the video I showed uh, where uh, one of our youth is having a real hard time drilling, you know, drilling one of these boards. That is not user error. That, that kid knows how to run an impact driver just fine. He cannot find a spot that is not rotten that will actually receive the screw he's trying to shoot into the wall. The rot had sunk in deep. It had sunk in deep enough that if we were logical and had known that, we would have torn down that whole wall and put up all new walls. But instead, our youth and our adults spent five days diligently pulling down boards, pulling down more boards, cutting new boards, putting those boards up, seeking for that last little bit of purchase in rotten studs, patching where they could, painting the whole deal. But at 3.30 p.m., when I closed the wood shop, it was done. Every rotten 
board had been replaced and covered with paint, and the small gaps that had been left were filled with foam. Our youth did it. They got that job site done by the power of God working within them. Something that had been allowed to become truly rotten had been made whole. And that's where we jump from an interesting story about our youth doing a really good job to something to help us think about our own faith lives and what it means to have God be the potter and we are the clay. There's a lot of gunk and mess and rot in life. I am willing to bet there is even, I, you know, I'm not accusing, but I'm even willing to bet there's some rot and mess and gunk in our own lives, yeah? Mm. Turns out. And in the broader world around us, there is certainly a lot of gunk and mess and rot out there. And often, I think we can give in to that hopelessness that whatever it is, there's no way it could get better. There's no way that that amount of gunk, that that amount of mess, that that amount of rot will ever be made rot. I've done too much. I've gone too far. This world is too far gone. The whatever that is ruining the world has broken it, and it can never be fixed again. Ever had these thoughts? Don't raise your hand. Everyone has. It would just be all of us raising your hands. We're all guilty of this. Having those thoughts that it's gone too far, whether in our own lives or not or in the broader world. But what happened on that worksite, a worksite full of rot and mess and layers and layers of it, was miraculously restored by God using a, full, a handful of very exhausted adults and then a dozen teenagers. That crew should not have finished that job. Can I get an amen, Ron? We should not have finished that job. It was an impossible job. We got it done. I mean, by the, by the end of it, there's like 25 people on that work site. Four full teams. Whatever the gunk, whatever the mess, when we hand our lives over to the potter and allow ourselves to be the clay in the hands of the potter, all of that gunk, all of that mess, all of that rot can be made right, both in our lives and in our world. That is the fundamental message sitting at the heart of Jeremiah chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. You see, the prophet Jeremiah was alive at a time when certain factions within the nation of Israel were really trying to make things better. Uh, Jeremiah's ministry coincides uh, early on with the reign of King Josiah. And King Josiah is one of the six good kings of the Old Testament. There were a lot more than six kings, uh, but only about six good kings. His grandfather, Hezekiah, had been one of the good kings. But Josiah is really a standout among biblical kings. You see, the book of Deuteronomy is believed to have been rediscovered during the time of Josiah's reign. And so he got real serious about making sure that people knew God's law. 
followed God's law. And with the help of the prophet Jeremiah and other forces within the temple, tried to turn and yank a culture that had gone astray into idolatry, that had gone astray into worshiping gods from other countries, that had just kind of gotten lazy with their practice of worshiping God, to try and clean out the gunk and yank it back in a direction of believing in God, a direction of worshiping God and God alone, a direction of following after God's law. And so here in Jeremiah uh, chapter 18, we are right in the heart of Josiah and Jeremiah working together to try and say, Israel, it is an A, it is not right right now. And not right. You are a broken pot. This pot we are making is coming apart. Let's get back on track. And so in that effort is where we get verses 4 through 6. The vessel he was making, he the potter, was making of the clay, was spoiled in the potter's hands. And he reworked it into another vessel, as seemed good to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Cannot, cannot I, can I not do with you, O house of Israel, just as the potter has done, says the Lord, just like the clay in the potter's hands, so are we, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. We are the pots that have been come misshapen on the wheel for whatever reason, whether the world just got too much or did some really strange things, or whatever, right? Us and our world are the misshapen pots. And just as the potter, often with forceful hands, can shape the pot back into shape, so God can do with us. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's a certain element of, like, threat implied in this, uh, in this passage. This is not necessarily... Um, a kind prodding from God. It's like, look, I can shape this world however I want. Let me shape you, or you might end up shaped out. Shape out of luck? I got a lot of these. And certainly, part of this message is for us as individuals to willingly submit to what the potter God is doing in our lives and allow ourselves to be reshaped. But notice that this scripture is not written to any individual, but to the entire nation, to the entire nation of Israel. Oh, Israel, my people. And so this speaks to God working not just on an individual level, but on a much broader level as well, because as the song says, God's got, God's got the whole world in his hands, right? God is not just the potter of our individual lives. God rules the whole world. And so God not just is not just the potter shaping us back into shape. God is the potter shaping all of creation back into shape, all of humanity back into shape. God's spirit moves in the world, trying to make the world in a better place in a million ways. And that's part of why we pick up hammers and go to West Columbia. But it's not just that. It, God is everywhere. God's got the whole world in his hands. God rules the world. But for God's reign on earth, 
to be made complete. We need to be born again. We need to be reborn. We need to be reformed. We need to allow God to transform us again and again and again. And we got to go along with it. Because God didn't take away our free will. God didn't take away the free will of the nation of Israel. They could do whatever they wanted, but it would be better if you would submit to the potter and allow yourself to be reshaped. You don't have to, but it'll work out better if you do. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, used this image of divine respiration that I absolutely love and talk about often. It is that God breathes grace and power out into the world. God breathes it out. That's God's Holy Spirit. His grace and power breathed out in the world, permeates everywhere, is right where you need it, right when you need it. But the, here's the other thing you've got to do. You've got to go along with it. You've got to breathe it in. God's going to breathe it out. God's never going to stop breathing it out. It's always going to be there. God's grace, God's power, God's strength, God's reforming hand, always out there. Always another chance. But you got to take it. You've got to breathe that grace into your life. You've got to breathe that strength into your life. You've got to breathe in what God is trying to pour into you. But you've got to go along with it and allow yourself to be reborn again and again and again. Allow yourself to be reshaped by the potter again and again and again. Submit to God to being the clay in God's hands, being remade from a misshapen pot to one that it is there in the, in the beauty of the image of God. The power and strength and, all, and redemption and all you need to do that is out there, but you got to go along with it, friends. You've got to welcome it into your life. You've got to breathe it because fundamentally, you cannot separate the quest for a more just life, for a more godly life, and the quest for a better world. They are the same thing. They are inextricably linked. What God is doing in you makes the world a better place. Part of why we have this strength and power available to us is if we breathe it in and are transformed by God, now we're transforming the, God, the world in God's name. And if someone breathes in what God is pouring out in the world, then they are transforming the world in God's name. And if we start to wonder, how on earth is the big picture going to come together? How on earth is the reign of God going to be accomplished? How on earth, you know, how is this supposed to happen? Well, it happens when God works in each individual life. And so part of how we can change the world is we can change ourselves by the power of God working in us. Micah 6, chapter 8. What does the Lord require of you? But to seek justice, that's to pick up the hammers and go to West Columbia, Texas. Love, kindness, fine. Treat others in a loving way and walk humbly with your God. Those three things are linked you cannot seek justice and law kindness and love kindness if you are not also first walking humbly with your God. If you are not first breathing in 
God is pouring out of the world. If you are not allowing yourself to be shaped by the potter, how on earth can the potter use you to reshape the world in the image of God? Breathe it in. Power to change our lives. It's right here in this room. Right now. None of us are too far gone. Your life may look like that back wall of that church. Certainly mine has that point. It's just rot upon rot upon rotten studs. But somehow by the power of God, working through six really exhausted adults and, you know, a dozen or so teenagers, a mighty work was done. And so no matter how much rot you've got in your life, through Christ's death on the cross and God's Holy Spirit's presence in this world, you can too be transformed. And when you transform yourself, you become a part of God's transformation of our broken world. Let us pray. Gracious loving God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for all of those chances we have had. And God, we give you thanks for all of those chances we're going to need. And God, we give you thanks that your hand is upon our life. And God, we give you thanks that we have that hope of our own personal transformation. But God, we pray, come in to our lives. Come in to our lives. Come in to our lives. Rebuild us again and again and again, that we may be a part of rebuilding this world that you have given us, this world that is your kingdom. We can make our own lives look like you, and that way being part of making the world look like you as well. In Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen.